Welcome to the root of all success with the real Jason Duncan, a podcast that explores how the world's most powerful entrepreneurs unlocked success and how their stories can help you do the same. A successful educator turned entrepreneur, Jason has built multi-million dollar businesses that have been featured in Inc. Magazine and Entrepreneur Magazine. His life's mission now is helping entrepreneurs live what he calls hashtag the exit lifestyle. Introducing TEDx speaker, mastermind leader, author, entrepreneur, cigar aficionado, motorcycle enthusiast, and host of the root of all success, the real Jason Duncan. The real Jason Duncan. Welcome to a very special edition of The Root of All Success. Hello, I am the real Jason Duncan, and I'm really glad that you're here because today is my 200th episode of The Root of All Success. And uh, we were talking pre-show with some of the guests, and you know, 200 of anything, as one of them said, is, is pretty special for, for me to have you as a listener be with me on this journey to go from doing this and not knowing what the heck I was doing, <laughs> recording these, to where now I've got to some superstars on the show today to celebrate my 200th episode. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. Thank you for being here. And without any further ado, I want to introduce our special guests. We have a guest panel of wonderful superstars from my first 200 episodes of the podcast that I'm bringing back for this wonderful show today to talk about successful failures. And every one of these people that I'm about to introduce are successful failures. They failed, but they didn't stay there. They moved past it into something greater. And we're going to use their stories and their instructions and their tips and their advice to encourage you as an entrepreneur to move through your failures into success. So please help me welcome my special guest for today. We're going to start with the introduction of Mr. Chuck Garcia. Chuck is a former Bloomberg Global Marketing Head an industry leader in executive training. He founded Climb Leadership International. He coaches executives on leadership development, public speaking, and emotional intelligence. He has clients like Bloomberg, Bank of China, JP Morgan. So this guy's no slouch. He's a professional speaker. He teaches leadership communication at Columbia University. He was on episode number 23 four recorded back in may of 2021 chuck welcome back to the 200th episode man jason thank you for having me it is such a pleasure to be here all right and next on our list is the one and only gogo betke she's a hungarian real estate entrepreneur she started her career in 2011 with just six dollars and no experience She's got over 75,000 Instagram followers, and she's achieved over $5 billion in team transactions and part of the top 3% realtors in the nation. She also runs online boot camps. She started her own TV show called Go Gopreneur. She joined EXP in 2018, and she's attracted over 1,200 agents worldwide. And she was episode number 141 on the root of all success. Gogo, welcome back to the 200th. Thank you, it's my absolute honor in this lineup. I'm glad that you're here. And then next is Dr. Amanda. Dr. Amanda Berrientes, known as the Mindset Healer and Manifestation Ninja for Entrepreneurs. She's the founder of Inner Power Daily, 
an international best-selling author. She's a professional speaker. She's the host of a top 2% globally rated podcast called Inner Power Entrepreneur. After going from food stamps to building a six-figure business very fast, it's become her superpower to teach entrepreneurs the law of attraction strategies to reprogram their energy, their mindset, and their habits so that they can experience rapid business growth. She was episode number 102. And uh, Amanda, welcome back to number 200. Psyched to be here, Jason. What an honor to be on the 200th episode. Thank you. I'm, glad, I'm so glad you're here. And then next is Sharon Lecter. She is a financial literacy expert, a keynote speaker, and a business mentor. She's co-author of the Rich Dad series. So if you've read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, this is the person behind all that. She has advised two U.S. presidents, and she is responsible for re-energizing the Napoleon Hill writings and teachings, which I'm going to give a quote in Napoleon Hill in just a minute. She's also the author of Exit Rich, and her latest release is How, Many, How Money Works for Women, and she was episode number 148 on the show. So Sharon, welcome back. Thank you, Jason. Delighted to be with you and all these incredible people. All right. And then next and finally is Anthony Trucks. Anthony is a foster kid turned NFL athlete and serial entrepreneur. He's a leading expert in shifting, which is a process of internal and external identity shifts. He uses his unique coaching system, the shift method, to help individuals achieve their goals, revealing that their goals were set far below their true potential. And Anthony was episode number 30 way back in the day. Anthony, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me, man. Appreciate it. Always good to hang out with you. Well, we've got a great panel of people here on the show today, and we're going to be talking about successful failures. And I want to start off, as I teased just a moment ago, with a quote from Napoleon Hill. I actually sent this out to my mastermind group just yesterday um, because I share quotes from Napoleon Hill with them all the time. He said this, your failure, your failure may prove to be an asset provided that you know why you failed. Your failure may prove to be an asset provided you know why you failed. So I'm going to throw it out there to all of you as on, on the panel, this question, how do you mentally approach failure? Is there a, is there a mindset or ritual that helps you cope with it? And I'm going to start with Chuck. What do you think about that? I think about it in two ways, Jason. One of them, when I got out of college and I started my sales career at Bloomberg, I read a book by Tom Hopkins called How to Master the Art of Selling, and it became biblical to me. And he talked a lot, in addition to sales tactics and questioning techniques, my thinking is driven by what I learned in that book in two dimensions. Number one, he said throughout the entire book, there is no failure, there is only feedback. So what he was saying is you can decide how you choose to approach it, but to your point on Napoleon Hill, he drove home in my mindset the same thing. You didn't fail. You think about why you didn't succeed, which is flipping the model. And the second thing, Jason, that I want to add, he wrote in the book on page 122 of this seminal work, something called The Creed of the Champion. And I drilled it into my head 41 years ago, and I live it every day. And it said, I am not judged by the number of times I failed, but by the number of times I succeed. And the number of times I succeed is in direct proportion to the number of times I fail and keep trying. That is in my head every second. That's how I think about it. 
All right. Uh, I think we've heard the quote about Babe Ruth was one of the had the home run uh, record for years and years and years, but he also holds the the strikeout record. So that there is a proportion between those two. So that mindset is very helpful. Anthony, what what do you think about that? Do you have a approach to failure or not mindset? Yeah, I mean, I think we all kind of have to, right? Because it's kind of the natural part of our lives. I think when I first hear this, I, my gut goes to whenever I fail, I immediately go like, tuck me away from the world. I want anybody to see me. I'm a, it's an embarrassment thing. And and what we do is usually find ways to uh, to soften the blow for ourselves. So we'll, you know, create some unique excuse or some reason. What I've learned to do is literally look at myself and go, all right, this is real. You know, breathe it in. That's human. And then go, what do I have control over within it? And so that usually gives me this... Uh, first off, a poking internally, which I think is healthy for me to be able to be uh, critical of myself without being like super condemning. But then it gives me this one uh, kind of next move, which I, I heard just from a guy named Dan Nitro on, uh, who's from American Gladiator back in the day. He says, action ends suffering. In those moments of failure, we're suffering with this feeling and this, this weight and this shame and sometimes embarrassment or like actual, you know, we call it financial base. So you're losing something. And in that, the only thing that ends the suffering is some form of action. Is the first action, who knows, second, third, it might not be the first 20, right? But there will be an action that will end that suffering. And so for me, I immediately go to, all right, what's the next best move or next right move? Even if I don't feel like doing it, what's the next one to do? And I move into it and it helps alleviate the pain of failure in time. I love that. I, I, I'm a guy who talks about the magic is always in the action. So mm -hmm. it's with anything. And, and I like that. I like that perspective, Anthony, because the magic's not just in the action. When you learn something, you can read a book. I mean, most of us here are authors, you know, we, we, we can write that book, but it's not in the reading of it, it's in the acting it out. But, but I love what you just said mm -hmm. is that in the magic is also in the action of moving past failure. So that's a, that's a great, great tip. What about you, Gogo? Do you have any specific mindset techniques or uh, any ideas about how you handle failure mentally move through it? Oh yeah, failure for me, it's super simple. It's just a lesson I haven't learned yet, right? Mm -hmm. So if something, if I'm failing at something, I always look at it. Okay, God, what am I supposed to learn from this one, right? Because the faster you learn it and you will never do it again. So uh, failures are just lessons. I love it. They're all lessons. You either, you, if you learn from it, it's not a failure. You move next. You're what about never you? never going to do it again. What about you, Dr. Amanda? I so agree. When I read this question, I thought, is failure an option? I don't really think of, I fail because I don't think of failure as failure. I think of it as learning lessons along the way. And so anytime you perceive yourself failing, ask yourself, what's the lesson? And in that way, I love the connection with the quote, failure is an asset when you choose to look at where you think that you might have failed, how can you ask yourself what you learned from it so that next time you can do better? And it really connects you back to why you're doing what you're doing in the first place and knowing that failure is just a stepping stone on the way to where you're going. And it's part of the process. I always think of growth as a spiral growth curve. And so that failure piece may, might be at the bottom of the growth curve, but it's gonna excel you to the next evolution of your growth. Yeah, that very, very important perspective there. What about you, Sharon? Well, Napoleon Hill also said out of, out of every failure, every adversity comes a seed of an equal or greater benefit. And so I, I tell people, you know, it's really important, particularly women, we tend to have a failure define us. We carry our failures along with us. And so I said a failure is an occurrence, not a definition. So it happens, you say, okay, what's the lesson and what's the benefit? And when there's, if you wait a few months and you look back, you usually can figure out why it happened 
and you know, life happens for you, not to you. And every failure, if we learn from it, is a stepping stone to the next success. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought that quote up and it doesn't surprise me that it was you that brought that quote up, but that is one of my favorite Napoleon Hill quotes. And, and I think people need to run that back and listen to that again, because every failure has the seed of an equivalent or greater benefit, not, not the full fledged benefit. I mean, it's not, you fail and the next thing you get is amazing success. There's a seed of that that's going to come in. Now, speaking of failure, we have a sixth guest on the show today, Renee Rodriguez, who was failing, <laughs> he had a failure of getting into the show and he's now coming into the studio. So let's make sure he's here. Renee, are you with us, my man? Can you hear us? Are you there? Renee, are you with us? Huh? <laughs> we can see you, Renee. Are you there? I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Well, thank you for persisting through your failures to get your computer to work right. Our theme today <laughs> is succeeding on the backside of failure. So I think this is appropriate. Renee Rodriguez, let me do an introduction for everybody so that Renee now can be introduced to the group. We thank you for coming here. Renee Rodriguez is a best-selling author, a keynote speaker, leadership advisor, and transformational speaker coach. He uses behavioral neuroscience to solve leadership, sales, and change challenges. His best-selling book, Amplify Your Influence, can be found on Amazon and all major retailers. And, and, and Renee was guest on episode number 105. Renee, I know you're a little bit late because you had some issues with the computer, but welcome to the show. Welcome. Sorry about that. We, we figured out a backdoor and a new version of Chrome, and we got smart people helping us out, so I appreciate <laughs> it. So, Renee, what do you think? Do you have a mental approach to failure? Yeah, I think it comes down to the frame and how you explain failure. To me, failure is part of the process. It's the price of entry to anything. It's, you know, how many times would you give your, ch your child a, ch a chance to, to walk? He's not going to walk two, three times. You'd be like, hey, he's not cut off for walking. You just It's part of the process. It's part of the learning process. Failure can be a really beautiful thing if you really learn to embrace the learning with it. We've just become so uh, scared of, of not wanting to fail that it just becomes debilitating. So I think when you realize that awkwardness is a requirement for growth, failure is a requirement for growth, you just look at it as part of the process. Love it. And the mindset about failure really is what it is, right? I mean, if you focus on, and this is, this is a theme of all of our answers, if we focus on the failure itself, we focus on the negativity and we stay and we live in that, we can't move past that to become successful. So now the question becomes more personal for all the guests. And I'm not going to go in order. I'm not going to call on you. I'm just going to let you, whoever wants to go first, go first. You can ask each other questions, but I want you to really bear your soul for a moment. You don't have to go too deep, but what was your most challenging failure that you had to recover from? And then what did you learn from it? What was your most challenging failure that you had to recover from? And what did you learn from it? Who would like to tackle that question first? Sharon? Well, I'll go because I talk about the uh, a failure giving the seed of an equal or greater benefit. My very first endeavor after I left public accounting in the world of entrepreneurship, I went with a client to buy a company out of bankruptcy. And within a couple of weeks of being there, I found all kinds of corruption. So I was a newly minted CPA, scared to death I was going to lose my license. So I went away for a little bit, came back, and I knew I had to leave in order to save myself. Wasn't sure what the next chapter was, but they were in the midst of a bunch of litigation because of the bankruptcy and they had a young lawyer come in my office. He was in my desk, going through my desk drawers on discovery of the lawsuit. And his name was Michael Lecter. 
So we just celebrated 43 years of marriage. So it's proof positive out of every adversity comes a seed of an equal or greater benefit. My worst business decision gave me my best life decision. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, that's found, awesome. found your husband in the middle of that. That's great. Anybody else want to comment or answer that question? I'll go. Yeah, Amanda. You know, I, it's interesting for me, it's relationships. I struggled so much with relationships. The reason I started being an entrepreneur was because I had left my 15 year marriage having an affair. My next relationship wasn't working. So there's this huge moment where in that next relationship, I found out that he was having an affair and we had just rented this huge house and we had all these expenses. And, you know, it was a really big breakdown moment where I thought, oh my God, am I going to make it as an entrepreneur? And he really told me straight out, I don't know if I want to be with you because you are too high of an achiever and you're not very feminine because you're such a high achiever. And so it really caused a lot of money blocks for me and thinking like, wow, if I'm a powerful woman in the world making a lot of money, how am I going to be perceived in relationships? And so in this huge relationship follow, I, I went back to a lot of relationship work and now I'm super happily married to my best friend. We work together. And so, you know, in that relationship failure and then striving in my business and deciding to, to own my power instead of letting that knock me down, I've become a leader of now my company with my husband working for me after he left his C-suite job. Nice. Nice. Very good. All right. Anybody else want to bear their soul on a bad failure? <laughs> go, go. Well, kind of two lessons I learned from this when I started a company because it sounded like a good idea. We can easily make money with it, right? A um, few months in, I realized it requires a lot of my time and we weren't making as much money to equal just my time alone. We were profitable, don't get me wrong, but my hourly rate um, is much higher than what we were making, right? And so I learned that lesson from it is that... Um, you need to calculate what your time is worth before you go into not every good idea is a great idea. Um, so I just decided flat out just to close down the company and we close out the books of business and stuff. So the second lesson I learned from that one is that I should have sold the company because <laughs> just because it's not worth it for me in my hourly rate, we were very profitable. It would have worked it for somebody else. But instead, I just I was like, I'm done. I just closed it down. So I learned two lessons from it. Number one, figure out your hourly rate before you head into something. And uh, number two, sell it when it's profitable. Don't just close it down. Good. That's good advice. What about you, Chuck? You, you said you had something to share. Let's take a quick break to thank our amazing sponsors for making this podcast possible. As an entrepreneur, I know that you have to deal with sales on a regular basis. I mean, every entrepreneur does. And if you aren't paying attention to sales as an entrepreneur, you're not going to be an entrepreneur for very long. But I've got a sponsor of this show called Dub that helps you bring the personal back to sales. If you want to figure out how to improve content creation, improve client trust, uh, improve your sales process, decrease the sales cycle, because we all know time kills deals. If you want to increase client bookings and increase conversions, you need to take a look at Dub. There's a special offer for Dub for listeners to the Root of All Success at therealjasonduncan.com slash Dub, and that's D-U-B-B. What Dub does, I've been using this for years. I'm a huge fan, and I'm so honored that they're our uh, primary sponsor of the podcast, but they have helped over 60,000 businesses around the world communicate better, to make sales easier, to make sales more personal. And it's built, Dub is built for growing teams. I mean, you can set up video emails, you can set up custom onboarding, you can do admin reporting, 
anything you need around video and sales and automation, Dub is there. You can try Dub now. Your conversions to sales are waiting. All you got to do is go to therealjasonduncan.com slash dub. And there you're going to get two weeks for free to try dub. Plus you're going to get 50% off your first two months of dub. You can't, you can't beat that. So go check it out. Go to the real slash dub. Thanks for listening to our sponsors. Now back to the show. I do. And I want to go back to an episode that, that was the most embarrassing moment in my career and also became the best teacher. And what the failure, Jason, is failure to live up to my own leadership and behavioral expectations. So it was one day, my fifth year in my career at Bloomberg, I was ascending in this wonderful organization. I had a lot of people that on paper I led. And one day, a substandard employee that I expected that needed to give me something that I was going to hand to my CEO named Mike Bloomberg handed me a piece of crap. My temperament got the best of me, and in front of 100 people, instead of staying calm and giving him positive feedback, I lost my temper in ways that were unimaginable. I felt at the time when I had lost and I was emotionally hijacked that the entire world was shining a spotlight on me. I was never more embarrassed for the way that I behaved. He did not deserve the wrath that I just laid on him. And for the next day, I went home thinking, oh, my God, I am never going to. My reputation has just been shattered. It wasn't. I recovered from it. But, Jason, what it taught me, I went home on the train that day on the commuter train, and I said, I need to improve, and I need to figure out how do I stay calm under the weight of pressure and expectations. From there, I totally got into a subject matter called emotional intelligence. I figured out what it was. I learned how to measure it. I now teach it at Columbia, and I'm about to publish my second book on February 6th called The Moment That Defines Your Life, which combines the elements of stoicism from the great Roman emperor Marcus Aurelius and the social science of emotional intelligence, specifically, Jason, going back to that episode that was my most colossal failure and the best teacher I ever had. Wow. That's a great story. I appreciate you sharing that. Uh, I think all of us have had those moments where we just lost it. <laughs> and I don't know if there's a lot of benefit that comes out of when we lose it, except when we, we are more contemplative about it. Go, you know what? I probably shouldn't have been like that. And I'm going to make, I'm going to write a book about this. I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn, learn about it. Anybody else want to want to chime in on your, your greatest failure and what you learned from it, how you recovered from it? I mean, I don't know if it's, we'll go Anthony first and then we'll hit Renee. Anthony, you got it. I, think, I, mean, I don't know if I have a like definitive, I mean, mine's probably going to float in the same realm of Dr. Amanda. It's uh, yeah. I think all the failures we have, it's, it's uh, in my opinion, it's an inevitability. You're going to fail at something in a professional manner. You're going to shoot for that thing. And it's honestly all parts of life. But like, I look at the, the greatest failures of mine are the ones that hit me the most emotionally. And so for me, uh, I had, you know, high school sweetheart, had kids in college and then, uh, which I don't recommend, by the way. And then after that, I had a couple more kids. I was playing in the NFL after that. And then I had this whole like life fall apart. Marriage uh, fell apart. My wife had an affair. And so like this whole thing of life, like my marriage, my family all got ripped away from me. And I think for me at that moment in time, it was always her fault. It was always everybody else's fault. It was never my thing. And while I, I don't know if I would call it in the moment my failure, when I got farther down in life, I realized like, oh, I had a big failure. Because while I wasn't responsible for the choice she made, I was responsible for being in the marriage that brought us to that point where she thought she had to make a choice in the first place. 
you know, I had these newborn twins and a four-year-old. She was at home with them every day from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. I was going to build my career and do my thing. And the marriage fell apart. And so from that, like I, I had three years of just being a hiatus sort of figure out like, well, why is it all hurting? And I realized I had no control of it all because I wasn't giving myself the ownership of the situation. So for me, it taught me I am the common denominator in all my problems, whether I am allowing it or I'm the cause of it. Uh, but if I can give myself that little kind of ounce of ownership, it gives me a little bit of an ounce of control that I can expand upon within my life. And so after that uh, three years divorce, remarried my ex-wife with an amazing remarriage, seven years deep now. And a lot of it stems from those moments in time. I'm going like, okay, I can't go and kick things out to the, somebody else's problem because I can never control it or actually fix it. So in that kind of really tight, weird spot of life, I learned a lot more about myself and about the world around me. So, so as a story, you guys got divorced and then remarried one another. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. Three, three years divorced. Yeah, we uh, we got a dope thing going, man. I'm gonna go through it all twenty times over to have what I have now, but only because I learned the lessons. Only because in going through that process, you have to go to like the the, the guttiest, dirtiest parts of who you are and take a look at them and go, okay, is this who I want to be long term? If it's not, you change things. Nice. Well, congratulations on the remarriage and sticking with it. That's awesome, man. I love it. How about you, Renee? Yeah, my, it's interesting. The whole concept of the failure conversation quickly becomes so cliche. And, but I also think the answers to life are, are found in cliches. So it's, it's, it's interesting that things that are right in front of us. Like I went, went a different route in terms of my bigger regret. It was robbing my kids of disappointment and failure. And, you know, we, we grow up a certain way and we vow never to have our kids live the life we did so we try to do the best we can and then we shelter them from difficulty and struggling and suffering but really we shelter them from disappointment and about 10 years ago i, I told my kids i said i go guys the dad messed up here i said i stole from you one of the most important things in life which is the ability to go through difficulty disappointment failure suffering and i vowed a life to try to to protect you from that and i did you the biggest service. I said, so here's here's what we have to do. We have a choice. Either I teach you these lessons now, which won't be fun because I'm just going to be harder on you than I've been in the past and I'm not going to save you from certain things or society will teach you. The police are happy to teach you about uh, what it means to break the law. Teachers are happy to teach you what it means to not study by failing. Your employers are happy to, to teach you what it means to not do your job and not exceed by firing you. And uh, a significant other is happy to teach you a lesson. You know, if you're just not nice and you're not good and you're not a strong uh, man. And so the society will teach you, but they won't be nearly as nice as me. And so we have to decide to either have the world teach you or we're gonna have to manufacture some struggle for you on that. And uh, it's been a 10 year sort of journey through it. Now we've, I think we've done pretty well, but man, that as a parent, I think we've messed up big time. Well, I think all of us who are parents, we've certainly encountered similar similar realizations uh, where we create a criminal exchange with our kids. We give them, give them, give them, and don't expect anything back. So uh, I think that's a good story. I want to ask this next question. It's about distinguishing between uh, when you fail, how do you distinguish between that failure as simply a learning opportunity versus one that requires a complete pivot? Like there's something you got to pivot away from because that failure taught you that. And I'm going to let Sharon go first because I know she has a TV show she's got to go do here in a little bit. So she's going to be dropping off the call. But uh, Sharon, how do you how do you distinguish between, hey, this was just a learning opportunity where I failed versus crap, I got to make I got to make a big shift. Something needs to change. 
I think sometimes you actually need to have some help in det- determining that because I, you know, I share high emotion is low intelligence. So when you're in the midst of a failure, you're highly emotional. So you may not make the right decisions. Um, yes, every failure is a learning opportunity. The learning opportunity may be I'm on the wrong path. So you have to start with what your actual mission is. Truly, what is your passion? What is it you're trying to accomplish? And have that failure may be a sign to you that you've lost your direction on your mission and you need to redirect. So that's why it's so important to have a mentor, to have someone that can help you with a cool head, one that's not emotionally involved, that can say, well, let's look at what your goals are and what what's the root of that failure. And is that a sign to you to just recalibrate and keep going? Or is it a sign to you that your mission is has separated from what you've been doing and that failure is a sign to you that you need to get back on track. So you need to stop what you're doing and redefine what your goal is. And I really believe it's hard to do that when you're in the midst of it and you're highly emotional. So it's important to have someone help you review it and make the, because pivoting is really changing your whole direction. But if your end goal is the same, it's not, you just need to recalibrate because you still want to go to the same place. You've just gone off course. You just need to get back on course. Yeah, and I think that's uh, that's a good point because pivoting doesn't mean changing the vision. Your vision may be good. Your vision may be right. It's the strategy that sucked. <laughs> but sometimes that, sometimes that failure is just a quick tweak, and other times it's a pivot in, in the strategy. And I like what you said. we got to get to the root of why we failed. And this show is called The Root of All Success. Maybe this episode is The Root of All Failure, which, <laughs> so thank you for that. That was a, a good play on words. What about anybody else? I mean, what? how do you distinguish between a setback that's a learning opportunity versus a setback that is, oh, crap, I got to change everything? I'd love to piggyback off of what Sharon said, because as a law of attraction expert, I always go to my feelings as a guide. And so I think it's important to differentiate emotion, high emotion, like reactivity versus responsivity. And when you're in a responsive mode, you are checking in with yourself every day and you're questioning, is what I'm doing working or is it not working? And so you know to strategically pivot at the right time based on how you chronically feel over time. So if you have a lot of fear and doubt and stress, every day going on and something keeps coming in and you go, hey, something's out of alignment. I need to pivot. I choose to pivot, right? Because you are paving your future success based on how you feel in the now and that's your magnetic force. And so if you are constantly feeling stressed, you must question, what do I need to drop, automate, delegate in my business? What do I need to transform? How do I need to pivot, reconstruct and revamp so that I can get into my zone of genius and really enjoy what I'm doing? And so it's really important to check in with yourself and ask daily, how do I feel? What's working? What's not working? And where can I pivot in order to access the power of my magnetism to have things feel flowing and easy and good instead of reactive and stressful? That's a good point. That's a good point. Thank you, Dr. Amanda. What about anybody else? How do you distinguish between pivots versus learning opportunities? What about you, Chuck? Yeah, Jason, in the episode that I described before, I realized at the time that I was bursting in my own emotional hijacking, I realized I had a problem. So the first thing is to re- to recognize, okay, I, I made a mistake. I need to improve this. But here was the, the challenge, Jason. 
I didn't know what it is I was looking for in order to improve. I had no idea. I was like, all right, this cannot happen again. Well, how do I avoid it? I went to Barnes and Noble. I didn't want to share this with anyone because I already I didn't want to talk to anybody that day. I walked down the aisle and I said, I got to believe the answer is in here somewhere, but I don't know what question I'm asking myself and I don't know what I'm looking for. But I always turn to books and I stop at a shelf and I see this book called Emotional Intelligence. I didn't know what it was. And I stop and I pulled it out and I started reading the first page and it started to describe the episode that I had committed only an hour before. And I said, what is this? Jason, that I, I call it a pivot. To me, that became a colossal moment in my life of self-discovery. And the first thing I questioned, why didn't anybody teach me this? For all the money I spent to get educated in college, this has nothing to do with that. So I think each of us, when we pivot to those moments, we may not know what we're pivoting to, but I revel in that journey of self-discovery that allowed me to go find this chasm of material where all I had to do was pick one book that one book led to two, two led to four, four led to eight, and then I wrote my own. So I'm very thankful for that because it was in, in the ambiguity of not knowing what to do with it that helped me ultimately find clarity about how to solve my problem. I love it. Thank you, Chuck. I appreciate that perspective. Uh, who else? Go, go. So I think we all naturally have blind spots, right? We can't all be good at everything. Um, we are designed to see the world. We see the world. Um, that doesn't mean that the rest doesn't exist. It's just that we don't see it, right? It's like if I say white Lexus, you're going to all say see white Lexus from now on. Um, so I think it's super important to surround yourself with people. So I built what I call a board of directors. Um, so then they can advise me on things if I don't see it naturally, right? So they all come to the situation. We all have quarterly meetings. I say where we at, where we going that's another important thing right and if something's not working they all put in their two cents of like hey why are the numbers tracking you know lacking here the other thing i want to add i don't do a lot of feelings and i think that is uh that must be my eastern european <laughs> uh, eastern black upbringing um for me business is business and personal is personal and i don't do feelings in business right i my trackers have trackers i make business decisions on numbers not on how it makes me feel i think the proof is in the pudding um, so because of that, most of my business decisions are made on spreadsheets, so sad. Um, and I have a board of directors to help my bind spots. Nice. Okay. Anybody else want to talk about how you distinguish between a setback that's a learning experience versus one that requires a major pivot? I think it's my turn. Is it, or is it you, Anthony? Yeah, go ahead, Renee. Um, you know, it, it's, it's interesting just listening uh, listening to this and just kind of reflecting on what it is that I looked at. And I, I, I'm going to go back to the same thing. Is it learning pivots? That, to me, it's the same thing. It's just part of the process of iteration. It's, you can say it's part of the creative process. It's part of the, uh, the business process, part of learning. It's part of growing. But then there's, I said, okay, well, then what's the real failure? The failure is once I've done the learning, I've done the growing, then I just got lazy or I got complacent. There's a real failure. If I, you know, if I, I'm going on stage, I'm about to speak, and I didn't, and I got too comfortable. Like, yeah, I know what I'm going to do, and I'm focused on something else. Then I realize up there, I didn't really put the work in. And so I think for me, there's a sense of, you know, a constant mode of what I can and can't control, and, and 
about an ounce of my energy goes to what I can't control just because it's futile. I did that for way too many years. But then, okay, so then there's a dissection of what I can and putting all the energy into that. But then once I've controlled all the controllables, then did I show up to it? And there's so many times where I've controlled everything, I'm ready to go, but I just didn't show up. If I got complacent, I got too comfortable, and the audience or my client didn't get the full value of what they deserved and what they paid for. So to me, that's a, that's a failure. And the, the failure is one like that, to me, should burn. It should burn hard because I let down people that believed in me. And that, to me, is that. The rest of the stuff, me falling down and getting up, that's it, the inconsequential. It's part of the deal. I mean, it sounds like, Anthony, you played football, professional football. You probably had a career riddled with failure nonstop, but no memory of it. Just move forward. It's just somebody in your way. You move around them. Uh, you know, all of you sound like entrepreneurs. You just go through the process. You keep going. You keep moving. To me, the failure comes down to if I, if I have the skill set and someone believed in me and I didn't show up fully, that's a massive failure. Nice. Nice perspective. Really. Has, I appreciate that. Anthony, you got anything to add to that? Uh, I mean, there's always something to add, right? <laughs> a million different perspectives on this. Uh, if we go to the, the, I guess, the thought of when do I know it's right to pivot? I mean, we, we, we've all had moments of time. I guarantee everybody here right now, 10 years ago, was doing something different. Shoot, two years ago, was doing something different, right? It, uh, I actually, at one point, a massive like transition. I'm in the middle of one now, moving the brand from the identity shift to dark work. And what I've realized is uh, I like to see I like to here's the thing, take football to an account. So you don't you don't get into a play on the line and go, let's just change a play with no feedback. Like you you have to do something to figure out what the change should be. So what I do is I lean into stuff. I make it like before I even get set, like I with my team, the things we do, here's what we're gonna do. And we commit to staying with this for a period of time, regardless of whatever we feel uh, in the process of doing it. And the reason I do that is because I realize that the teacher's gonna give us the 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 best lesson at day 14, 15, 16 of 30, not at day two when I go, it's not working out like this. I was just change something else. The best lesson comes later. So for us, we stick in and we'll have those thoughts of like we should change. I go, we, we have a commitment from the beginning, right? You have to stay with that. 30 days is going to pass. Life's going to be fine. And you sure enough, day 15, 18, 19, whatever, you find this little thing and you go, I never would have got that golden lesson had I stopped because it didn't feel right or it wasn't where we wanted and so I lean into stuff. And so for us, when we make pivots, we we usually make them at a moment in time where we've given ourselves the, op the opportunity or the built-in kind of moment to stop, pause, reevaluate, and then replan. But for me, like I tell my kids, you can't stop in the, in the middle of the process of doing this hard thing because the problem is, is you miss out on the lesson that you cannot get from a book or from somebody else. It's that experiential moment or that thing that most people never experience because they don't get that far down the road. So when we get to that point, I learned the lesson, then I make choice at that point in time, but I try to stay in that pocket of difficulty longer than most people would. So you said something interesting there, Anthony, you, you said you use the word feedback and I've heard people say this before. It's not failure, it's feedback. And I, I agree with that is that everything that we're doing is feedback and, and you can't make a pivot. And that goes back to your point. You can't make the pivot or know that it was a learning experience unless you analyze the feedback like what what did what happened here so i think that's a good lesson for the listeners is that in the midst of the failure look at it as feedback and go okay this happened because of this now i know what to do whether it's a huge pivot or whether it's just a minor tweak in, the, in a different direction so anthony very very good perspective there so let me let me ask this question to the group i want you to again think of a time when acknowledging a failure 
acknowledging a failure led to a major breakthrough. And I know that sounds a lot like what I asked a minute ago where I talked about, hey, you know, what was the most challenging failure that you recovered from? But but was there is Chuck, you already shared one that was a breakthrough for you. That moment of failure led to a breakthrough. But I wonder if others of us had the moment of failure where something happened and it was like this major wow, this big breakthrough that moved past. Chuck, you already shared yours, but anybody else want to think about a time that that failure led to breakthrough? Go, go. That same last time when I was talking about the hourly rate, that's the one that made me realize that if you spend your time on good ideas, you have no time to spend on great ideas. That's good. Or that's great. <laughs> Actually, the first time I ever met Gogo, she was speaking at a conference. We, we were both speaking at this and I'd never heard of her before. She never heard of me. And she got up on the stage. She's talked about this hourly rate thing. And this is so you guys need to go look up everybody on the show. By the way, everybody's contact information is going to be listed in the show notes. So make sure you go follow all these people on their socials. Send them an email. Go check them out because you want to go watch uh, specifically what we're talking about with Gogo's talk on this hourly rate thing. This is good. Because when you pay attention to good, you're missing out on what's great. Anybody else have a, a failure that led to a major breakthrough of some kind? I would say every failure leads to a major breakthrough if you take the time to see it. And so it's slowing down to recognize, oh, what did I learn from this? And actually look at the benefits. I love to have people do benefits lists. So you go, what's this perceived quote unquote bad thing that happened? And then you write down 250 benefits. You can't do this in one sitting, but you write down 250 benefits of the thing that happened. And it starts to shift your subconscious mind to go, oh, that thing that happened to me was actually a huge gift. And now you can propel yourself forward. And so, you know, for me, whenever I have a perceived failure, I look at it exactly like we're talking about here. Wow, this is uh, propelling me to the next level. It's feedback for me to improve myself. But the only way that you see that is if you take the time to look at it from that perspective, instead of getting stuck in victim mindedness and thinking the world's against you and you've done something wrong. Instead, you go, hey, the world is on my side, supporting me in my growth. And because I'm so clear that I'm going here, this downturn was necessary for me to evolve to the next level of myself in life, relationship, money, business, anything. And so when you slow down and go, what were the benefits? What were the benefits? What did I gain from this? What did I learn from this? You start to have a really powerful brain shift. And that's when you really get to take it to the next level from having a breakthrough from the failure. It, it really is all about perspective, isn't it? I think all of us would agree that this whole uh, conversation about success and failures perspective, it's like watching a movie. You know, if you've watched a movie, I wa we watched The Village last night. And last night, we're recording this on November 1st. So last night was Halloween. My wife and I, we don't kind of do the Halloween thing, but we normally just watch a movie. Well, last night we watched The Village from 2004, M. Night Shyamalan. Well, I don't want to give it away, obviously, because if you haven't watched it, you should go watch it. So really one of the top five or 10 movies I've ever seen. But if you watch it for the second time, you're not you're not worried about who's the villain, who's not, you know, because you know how it ends. But when the first time you watch it through in the middle, you think, "Ooh, that person's the villain or this person's the good guy or that one. It, it's perspective. So in our lives, we are in the middle of the movie. We can't see. So when we fail, that doesn't make us a failure. When we fail, it doesn't mean that's the end. There's more to come. The movie still hasn't finished. It's all about perspective. So if God were looking down at our lives as he is and he looks at us and we screwed up, we yelled at somebody, we made a bad financial decision. We're in the middle of the failure. He's not going, you stupid idiot, you failed. No, because he knows how it ends. He knows it's going to be all right in the end as long as we push through, which leads me to a question I want to ask everybody. I want everybody to chime in on this. 
What piece of advice would you give to entrepreneurs listening to the show who are struggling with failure and are considering throwing in the towel? What's your piece of advice? So we'll go around. I'll start with Renee and then we'll, I'll, I'll call on you to kind of go around. So Renee, what's your piece of advice to entrepreneurs who are struggling with failure and are considering throwing in the towel? This is the choice of which sign of Renee do you want on this one? There's, there's, the, <laughs> there's the public. We can say something nice, keep going. And there's another side to say, then you should probably quit because you're not going to be cut out for it. I mean, there's, there's two sides to this reality of the fact that failure and suffering are going to be part of this. And by the way, failure and suffering are part of every single aspect of life. And until you reframe what suffering really means, you know, you suffer in the gym so that you be better. You know, I go back to our professional athlete here. He suffered his whole career for, you know, just a few plays on the field. You, know, you look at all of that, you know, Dr. Amanda suffered in the school or in the classroom so that you can get that, that sort of credibility so that people will listen and that you'll have the knowledge to share. And the more I learn about the rest of you here, there's a, there's a beautiful side of suffering to it. And if if there's anything to it, now, turning, now, if I wanted to be a professional athlete right now at 48 years old and I kept going, like, that's just stupid, right? So I probably should throw in the towel and do something else. You know, so as long as it's realistic in what you're going after, uh, you know, I'm 30 years into this thing and, you know, most people have just seen the last four. They haven't seen the previous 30. And, but it was all suffering, but man, at the time I was in, I was growing, I was learning, I was doing what I loved and, you know, falling up, getting down. And when you realize that this is, this is a beautiful part of it and, and that most of life is a suffering piece and, and the dopamine that we want, sorry, but is, is really in the pursuit of something. Once that vision is out, the dopamine is that little cheerleader that says you got this. It's, it's the anticipation of reward. And if you're feeling like giving up, I mean, there's, there's a lot of science on that moment that we give up. What happens is we get depleted of that dopamine. We're out of it. And, you know, somebody comes along and says, you got this. They can refill that for just a moment. But there's also the, 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 the research around going out and seeking more suffering to actually replenish your dopamine. It's, Weird. That's why cold plunges are so powerful. It's a suffering moment. But holy wow, that's a refreshing, exhilarating feeling that happens afterwards. And so I think people need to really rethink what the difficulties and the struggles are and really revamp what their vision is. And if that vision is powerful, you will you will pursue through that. And you know, don't don't be afraid to struggle. Don't be afraid to do that. I'll I'll leave you with this is to look up this concept called Amor Fati. Amor meaning love, Fati means faith. And it's the realization that, that in the acceptance of life as it is, not as you wish it would have been. And when you do that, you can actually fall in love with your story. You can fall in love with the beautiful side, but you're all more important, fall in love with the tragedies. And when you can make peace with the tragedy, now you've actually made sense of the difficulties in life. And then you realize that you went through whatever suffering that was. You went through that so you can tell the story. And then you realize that the contrast of the suffering makes the, the, the joy even better. And so if you're thinking about giving up, you need to question well, how big is your vision? How big is the why? What are you going after? And is that a pattern in your life? If that's a pattern in your life, then it's not about the struggle. It's about your pattern. You better go ahead and fix that. You better find somebody that can coach you through how to make new habits in your life and maybe a new re reframe in terms of how you look at it. But if it's not a pattern, then you know, if there's a logical sign to it, then it might make logical sense. But maybe that's when you use the word you used before, which is pivot instead of completely giving up. But, you know, at the end, as Jim Rohn said, in life, you're going to pay one of two prices. You're going to pay the price of discipline, which is now, or you pay the price of regret. And the price of discipline weighs ounces in comparison to the price of regret, which weighs tons. 
can't get away from it. Love it. All right, Dr. Mano, what about you? What's your piece of advice for entrepreneurs struggling with failure who are considering throwing in the towel? I was hoping you'd call me next because I really had a lot to say. This is a great question. And I want to incorporate why I think it's so important here with what Renee was saying to focus on choice. Your life is a choice. Your failures, your successes are a choice. How you perceive them is a choice. And it's all going to be connected back to your vision and what you're choosing to create in your reality. Your outer world's a reflection of your inner world. If you don't like what you're getting outside, change what's within. Choice. Don't be a victim to reality. So if you're feeling like throwing in the towel, pivot. Do something that makes you feel good. Ask for resources, join a community, do whatever it takes. But the only reason that you're going to actually do that is if you are very powerfully connected to the belief and the why and the vision. And so whenever you're in action, action is evidence of belief. So if you feel like throwing in the towel, it's because you don't have belief that it's possible to succeed. So change your belief. Start hanging out with people who are higher vibe, hang out with successful people in whatever it is that you're pursuing and model after them. Success leaves clues. This is why I think it's so important to get really clear on your why, your vision, your purpose and choose every day not to be a victim, but instead be a victor and decide and commit and take strategic action. When you do that every day and you recommit to your why and you recommit to your inner power and you recommit to your goals, you will automatically want to take action. And yes, you're going to have some down days where you feel like throwing in the towel, but let it be a moment a moment in time and not an overarching theme of how you conduct yourself. <laughs> Decide and, and keep going. I, I really think in this place, community is very important, especially for entrepreneur types who can feel very lone wolf sometimes. And so seek out community and seek out other people who are powerful, growth minded, going in the direction that you choose to go so that when you do have those downturn moments, you can reach out to someone and say, hey, let's win together. So create those win-win relationships and reconnect to your vision powerfully. And then you will automatically want to take inspired action every single day. Beautiful. How about you, Gogo? What advice do you give? I wrote down five things. Again, I'm going to fly through it. Muhammad Ali, they asked him, how many sit-ups does he do? He said, I don't start counting until it hurts. The other thing is, um, if you want to do what's easy, life's going to be hard. If you want to do what's hard, life's going to be easy. Um, also, I think it's very important, like, you know, having Anthony on the call here today. I know I'm never going to five foot two little person. I'm never going to be a football player. I'm never going to be a model, right? So with that being said, there's a, a quote I heard from Tony Robbins. It doesn't matter how hard you run east, you're never going to see a sunset. So I think it's very important to make sure that you are aligned with the goal that you're trying to achieve. And then one of my other favorite quotes is, if you want to have what the top 1% has, you have to do what 99% is not willing. So if it doesn't hurt, that means you're playing in your comfort zone. And if you're in your comfort zone, you're not growing. If you're not growing, you're dying. That's so true. That is so true. What about you, Anthony? What's your advice? I'm, I'm, my thoughts are the same as Renee says, like, which one do you want? Because there's a guy that goes like, I'm going to be nice. And there's a guy that sits back behind the scenes and tells it like to some people. I love ways are a little more. You, you know, here's the thing. Uh, I'll just, I'll just be who I am. I, I find that that uh, a lot of individuals that get to this, I call it the fun line. It is a line in the middle. It's a black and white line. On this side of the line, everything's fun. Like you get the praise, you get the joy, you get the money, you get all right. And this side of the line, you have things that aren't fun. And these people want to be over here. They go, I want to have what these people have. And I go, well, what happens for these people? What they do is they give all. They don't give what they want to give. They give what they don't want to give. They give everything that they don't want to share. Like, yeah, it's it's the thought of like you get to a point where you feel comfortable. You're giving your honest. I give them everything, but 
you haven't you haven't given the sacrifice you haven't you haven't asked for help which i love that you got to ask for help sometimes when people's ego don't let them do it but on this side people have given it all so they get the praise they get the the accomplishments they get the outcomes they still get the same headaches but they get all that and they have given all of their hearts so they actually start to enjoy the hard work because of what happens on the backside. and someone talked to the dopamine that actually your brain can gauge the distance between you and your goal and you get that little hit and you go oh, i'm gonna keep going this side of the line where people are like i want to give up you're giving what you want to give you're not giving every single thing you got and I, I, akening back to what gogo said yeah to be honest you want something that very few human beings have what makes you think you get to have that without earning that and it's it's kind of the thing where i go just shut up and work because there's another piece of it too you will not get the uh, the confidence. You won't get all the joy from sitting there and hoping it'll come to you. You know, you get it because you do something that burns your soul in the process of doing it. And when you got it done, you exit. You look back to yourself and go, "Damn, I'm so dope now." Look at me, like you have this different sense of pride. And for me, you have to earn that, and you earn it by getting to the gift of the moment you're talking about. I literally say it's the gift. Uh, I look at like trying used to do gym stuff because you know, athlete. We used to work out. And there was always that moment in the gym where you were about to die. You couldn't move. I couldn't breathe. I'm about to throw up. And at that moment, it was a gift because I knew that I knew that anything I do more, I'm actually getting better. Before that, it was hard and I was doing my thing. But at this moment, I don't want to move. Now I'm getting better. So when you get to that gift at a moment of I don't want to do anything, you got to pause and breathe and go, okay, I'm at my wits end. Therefore, anything I do more, I know I'm getting better. And when you get to that gifted moment and you fall back and go, just you tuck back, you've wasted it. And those who get to that moment and go beyond, they get to live in that fun zone. I love that, man. That's good. How about you, Chuck? What about your advice for those yeah, that are considering uh, throwing in the towel? Well, let, let, let me state my own observations of nine years of coaching. What a great entrepreneur does is three things. They inspire, they persuade, and they provoke change. Because what they're really doing, in spite of the fact that they think they're building a company, they're building a cause. And what you know about any cause is you can't do it alone. And in order to build that cause, you got to do it with other people. My advice to entrepreneurs uh, of them when like, they are I'm failing, like hanging on they just screen. keep working Cliffhanger, Chuck. Hey, Chuck, you, you broke up there for a minute. Can you start at the top? Because you left us on an awesome cliffhanger there. So okay. go again. <laughs> uh, I'll start from what a good entrepreneurs do is three things. Yeah. They inspire others. They persuade them to do something. And they provoke change. And if you think about what you do when you provoke change, don't think about it as you're building a company. What you are building is a cause. Think Martin Luther King. And when you build a cause, in order to do that, you know you need to get other people on board. But Jason, what I see with entrepreneurs that are failing, they keep talking about how hard they're working. Instead of 10 hours a day, I'll work 14 hours a day doing the very same things that didn't succeed when I was doing it at 10. So what do you do in the space between the 10 and the 14? My advice to them, figure out a way to change your behavior, which is contrary to what you did before. And here's what I'm saying. Most entrepreneurs, to my opinion, are too focused on the app, the technique, the technical competence, whatever it is they are building, and not enough on getting buy-in to build your cause. How do you do that? Your left brain is driven by the logical and analytical side. Good. It's usually intact. Right brain is severely undernourished. That's the communicative, empathetic side that you use to build the cause. Entrepreneurs, in my opinion, should have a better balance between both sides of their brain and activate, educate, and develop your, your 
personality in such that you are training communication and getting people to buy your cause as if it's the same level of skill that you use to build your technical competence. Love it. Well, guys, ladies and gentlemen, this has been a phenomenal discussion with you successful failures. Aren't we all? We're all successful failures. In each of our lives as entrepreneurs, as leaders, we've, we've failed. We've got that feedback that led us and propelled us to success. And if you go around the horn here with Chuck Garcia, Anthony Trucks, Gogo Becky, Dr. Amanda, Sharon Lecter, and then Renee Rodriguez, if we look at all of our abilities combined, we could do anything on and anything that would ever be presented. We could do it. We could do it. But we couldn't have done it unless we persisted through the failures, persisted through those times when things sucked, persisted through and got feedback from, hey, we did it wrong the first time. So from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank Chuck, Anthony, Renee, Amanda, Gogo, and Sharon, who had to drop out a little bit ago. Thank you guys for being a part of this successful failure 200th episode of The Root of All Success. It means a lot to me that you guys took your time to come back on the show and to spend time with me and my audience again today. Thank you for sharing your insights on failure. Thank you for sharing your insights on success. I look forward to seeing how all of your careers continue to blossom and the impacts that you're making. So again, thank you so much for being on today's show. Thank, thank you. you for having us, Jason. Thank you. Pleasure. Thank you, Jason. It was an absolute honor. Wow, what a great 200th episode conversation to have with these amazing people. And again, a big thanks to Chuck and to Anthony, to Gogo, to Amanda, to Sharon, and to Renee for being on the show today. Um, you need to go back and listen to those guys. Go back to the top of the show. I'll tell you which episode those guys were all on. Each of them were on, so you can go back and listen to their episodes. Chuck and Anthony actually recorded early. They, I think they were 24 and 30, respectively. That I recorded those in person, and then everybody else was was on was digital, like I do most of my shows today. But uh, but what a pleasure to have them back on the show to talk about being a successful failure. And I want to follow up with that quote from Napoleon Hill that I did at the beginning of the show, where he said, "Your failure may prove to be an asset, provided you know why you failed." Here's some more color commentary that the Napoleon Hill Foundation put out about this. There are a few occasions during our brief time on earth when most of us experience flashes of great insight, great moments of truth that forever change the course of our lives. But most of those experiences result from spectacular failures, not from outstanding successes. It is in the failures that when we are chagrined and dismayed by them, that we learn the most lasting lessons if we have the right perspective. When you're an unwilling recipient of a great moment of truth, <laughs> that's what a failure is, extract that useful lesson and then and put the entire episode behind you. Don't worry about it anymore. Learn from your failures, forget about them, and then move on to better things. So wherever you are in your entrepreneurial journey, no matter what you're doing, no matter what you're struggling through right now, just look at it as I talked about in the show is that you're in the middle of the movie and, and where you are today doesn't define where you're going to be in the end. So know that the end is coming. And as somebody once said, if it'll all be all right in the end, and if it ain't all right, it ain't the end. So keep pushing forward. I am the real Jason Duncan, the host of The Root of All Success. I invite you to subscribe, to follow, to listen, to like this, to leave comments, but also listen, if, you, if you're a person struggling 
with your business right now, I want to invite you to look up my XOS system. It's called the Exeter Operating System. It's a system I designed through my experiences of getting out of the weeds of daily operations so that my companies can thrive and grow even in my absence, where I can build an asset that's worth selling, not just a job that's worth going to every day. And if that's something you're interested in, you can book a free call with me by going to my website, therealjasonduncan.com, scrolling to the bottom of that site and just clicking on book a call. And that's it. That's that easy. You can book a call. We could talk about your biggest struggles and how I might be able to help coach you through that. Not everybody qualifies for that call, but just go see if you are qualified and get on that. And make sure you tune in again next time when I bring on a, a successful entrepreneur to talk about his or her journey to success. Thank you for listening today. Until next time, I am The Real Jason Duncan. And as always, Jesus is King. Attention business owners. Attention business owners. Feeling burnout from running your business? Uncertain if you're nearing burnout? Take our free 10-question business burnout test at businessburnouttest.com to discover where you stand. With just 10 quick questions, you'll learn how to immediately begin making changes to regain freedom and success. Cut your daily operations time in half. Improve your quality of life and prepare your business for your future exit without losing revenue or profit. Visit businessburnouttest.com now and take the test. Thank you for listening to another edition of The Root of All Success with The Real Jason Duncan. If you've enjoyed this week's episode, visit therootofallsuccess.com to access the show notes and other helpful resources. Follow Jason on social media at The Real Jason Duncan. See you again next time here on The Root of All Success. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.